Faith and Reason Podcasts, new media for the new evangelization from Franciscan University of Steubenville. Find more at faithandreason.com. I want to read some poems uh, from this book, Mercy Wears a Red, red Dress. Uh, let me read the back. Uh, it's kind of a, a new direction. and uh, I think it's one that might be fruitful for people who want to write uh, Christian poetry. So this is what I have here. The work of a wonderful secular poet, Billy Collins, provides a great model for Christian writers. His Coleridge conversation poems allow for real play and comedy, all in the service of profundity. Uh, these are veins that have not been suitably mined by poets who have access to the larger humanity that only Jesus can provide. But there's more than comedy. Well, I, mean, I go to the other things, but that's basically what these poems are doing. Um, yeah, I, I had been doing a lot of poems on saints, and I was really stuck for where to go. And I was at uh, St. Clairsville Mall with my son, and we went to the bookstore, and I ran into a Billy Collins poem, a, a book of poems, and it, it, was, it was wonderful. So uh, let me do some for you. Uh, oh, one other thing. Uh, I mentioned play and humility, and, and sometimes people think, well, you're going to tell us that you have a lot of humility, but you guys who know me know better. But um, yes. the, the thing is, yes. yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing is that, you know, um, in poetry or any art, I mean, you don't have to um, have humility to write about it. It's about the imagination anyway, and that's the gift. So it's, um, you're not, uh, although if I say that, it means I have humility, right? Yeah. No, we'll stop there. <laughs> we'll stop there. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, this first one is called, We Did Say Rosary in the Car. Um, a lot of these poems are about parenting, and, and one of the hard things for, for me, and I think us and a lot of folks, is, you know, how do you get your kids to pray when they don't feel like it? You know, you guys are probably good at this, but, you know, parenting is not, you know, my specialty. Um, there's no test, you know, you just, everybody gets to do it who wants to. Um, so anyway, that's what this is about. Um, let me gloss a few things for you. Um, Jude, my, my son is mentioned, Jude's program, he has Down syndrome, and so we have programs he does in a concert with West Virginia and... Linda works with him in the room and stuff, um, in his room. And it's funny listening to them in there laughing and carrying on. Um, one of her characters is Mrs. Polite. So Mrs. Polite talks to Jude. I don't know if, he's a fi if Mrs. Polite's a finger, but some of the characters are. You know, they just carry on. Um, so that's there. Um, yeah, I, I think, too, uh, maybe a way to look at this poem is, uh, I was thinking of St. Paul says that we should boast in our weakness. Um, and there's some of that going here. Let me read it for you. We did say a rosary in the car. That was something, though it was hard to hear all the voices. Today I'll go to confession, can't say which of my lambs will follow. Onward Christian soldiers we are not. Except for Mrs. Polite, as mom calls herself in one of Jude's programs. And in truth, she has grown by leaps and bounds while the rest of us I'm afraid of more hopper types about the backyard and the basement, all over the furniture, hopping and nibbling, nibbling. We are still everything we aren't. 
There's no brightening it. The flag we wave when Jesus comes back will be a beat one. We'll probably have to tie one of the ends in a knot to the staff, though our waving, we hope, won't be abashed or too much of an embarrassment for our neighbors. Still, today is a new day, and there is the confession thing. Life does get better, like that horrible Prince of Egypt song, if you believe. Though I don't think creatively seeing makes anything happen. Like the rest of our lives, that's too shallow, shoddy to do much good. This is the Valley of the Lord, East End, the part near the river behind the tracks. We can clean up, comb our hair, but there's no hiding who we are. We are the blessed. I like that one. Okay, um, this next, next one is called Advent is kind of trumped. Uh, I never quite figured this out. Uh, uh, Advent en ends Christmas Eve, right? So you're supposed to, so that means you're supposed to put the, the, the tree on Christmas Eve? That's crazy, you know? So anyway, uh, a couple years ago, I ended up putting, I always put it up early, and, and this time I didn't get any help. So I'm sitting there putting this artificial tree up, and um, yeah, and, and it was supposed to be a family thing, you know? <laughs> Where is everybody? It's like work, and they're gone, you know? Um, yeah, I think they get that from me, but anyway. Uh, uh, so that, that's, that's here. What else? Anything else? Um, uh, yeah. Um, all, we have three children, and all our special needs in their way. I mean, my oldest son, um, I heard you can't, you're not supposed to say Asperger's anymore. But I don't listen to that. Um, he has Asperger's. Um, uh, the middle is Jude with Downs, and my, my daughter has uh, ADHD with other things. And, and so it's always lively figuring out what to do. But anyway, let me read the poem to you. Advent is kind of trumped by the Christmas tree, uh, though no child rushes to help me spread its artificial wings. Our Downs guy, however, does note repeatedly that he's on the nice list. <laughs> At 21, he gets his mall picture taken with me and Santa. My ADH daughter, on the other hand, who does not suffer fools or her dad easily, has a heart for anything small, while our eldest, an Aspie, offers only jagged glimpses of his, of his heart, bold pen and ink outlines. They are gift. Part of that humble crowd which will lift its face skyward soon enough, waiting for reindeer or something very like that. I wait for a publisher. My wife, who knows what she waits for, uh, maybe better hands at the piano, though she is already quite good. Maybe a husband who behaves as he ought. <laughs> and the kids for another world, no doubt, one to their specs. Uh, the trees wait for snow this time of year, the grass for frost. Snow is the stuff of hope because it means Christmas, days off. It means sledding and eggnog, all the family, a tree to light in the evenings. It's like we used to have summer sleepouts in our backyard tent, listen to the Lord of the Rings. Nothing could have been cooler. It's good to still have them here, despite the edges. They are, thankfully, who they are and where they have been. We will try again this evening, my wife and I, to make this their home. Okay.
Thank you. <laughs> okay. Um, I have a couple to Our Lady I want to read. Um, these are um, odd, but, but that's what I'm shooting for. Um, yeah, um, this first one. It owes a little bit to Robert Siegel's uh, poem, The Inchworm. Um, there are uh, maggots in this poem, but they're devout. They're devout maggots. <laughs> to Our Lady. Thanks for not pitching my garbage, for not letting it seek its level among banana peels, monster drink cans, half of New York City. Thank you for overlooking my failings, which pilgrimage like prayerful maggots on the inside of summer trash cans. Across the lids, they slowly heard themselves turning little mouths lifted in song. They cannot see but that does not stop them as they make their way toward a new Jerusalem. Thank you for smiling through your statue's paint when I come to visit you in adoration, for liking me more than the world does. You are home to me, not this artfully messy office, 25-year consolation pen set, not my widescreen TV at home, not even football. I could cross my legs in prayer like a yogi if I want. It would not matter. You would pull the cover under my chin at night, sing me a song. The world goes on as it does. I will dance around my older children, make strange noises to amuse them. They may not understand, but will be gathered in. Thank you for today. Good things might very well happen. A stranger could knock on my door. A check could arrive. Students lined the halls with lifted pens. <laughs> Confetti. Someone I don't know could cut my grass. <laughs> Which I'm always hoping for in summer. Uh, yeah. Um, this, this next one is... Um, it, it occurred to me that Our Lady appears to so many people these days. I thought, well, maybe she could appear to us, you know, like around our dinner table. It would be kind of, kind of cool. Um, so that's kind of the joke here. A couple of other things. Uh, uh, Franz and Liz Wright are mentioned. Um, Franz won a Pulitzer Prize for poetry, and he came uh, to Franciscan a few years ago. And there's a great story. I got a little anecdote I got to tell about him. He was, he was kind of like tired. He wanted to, to rest on her front stoop. Um, and so, you know, yeah, go ahead. The next day, my neighbor said, who was the homeless guy in your front stoop yesterday? <laughs> I said, he's not a homeless guy. He's a Pulitzer Prize winner. <laughs> that was friends, right? Just a great guy. Um, the other thing that uh, is in this poem is the idea of the crash. Joseph is never supposed to be too close to Mary. He's supposed to be farther back. Um, I learned that at Madonna House once when I was there as a kid, as a very young man. I, I moved him closer because I thought, you know, he's part of the thing. And they said, no, 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 he, he's not Jesus' father. So, you know, the, the tradition is that he's a little farther back. So there's a joke in here about that. Um, also, the last line is uh, stolen from uh, Sam Rockwell in Galaxy Quest. Why that comes. Hi, come on in. Welcome. Did you bring the beer? You were supposed to bring the beer. Okay. So anyway, this is called Our Lady Appears So Often These Days. Our Lady appears so often these days, perhaps we should set a place for her at our table. 
if she were to so grace us, I mean. We could find out what they eat in Nazareth. I don't know if she likes poetry, uh, but I could read not my own stuff, or exclusively so. <laughs> Linda and I could walk her around our block like we did for Franz and Liz Wright, uh, but who knows what her agenda would be. So we'd have to be flexible, accommodating. I hope she won't be staying with others at the same time, not in the neighborhood, I mean. Uh, we could meet her on again on our walk, uh, and then what would, would we say? Uh, I wonder, uh, does she come more often near Christmas? Will there be the faint smell of hay? Will Joseph wait outside distant like in creches? I suppose traditions must be observed. She would no doubt bring gifts for the kids, no matter how old they are, maybe a book for me. Uh, I might sneak a peek at the title, but I hope not rudely so. It would say so much. What would I ask her, I wonder? What would I be pressed to know? And how could I stay on my knees even after I initially rise? Uh, but that might be why she comes, to teach me how to eat and breathe, how to move and have my being. Red dwarfs could come after that, the sound of water running all of summer. I could ask her to recircuit my head, uh, to fix Guatemala. But I suspect I will be asked to just stand there, to wait until I know what to do, and then do it. Okay. These are fun, I like them. Okay, um, this next one is um, about Yeats. Yeats is my favorite poet. Uh, yeah. Um, as he got older, you can see in the photographs, he looks a little bit stiff. So here I have him playing field hockey in, in the afterlife. You know, what would that be like? I don't know. Um, other people who are mentioned, H.D. is Hilda Doolittle, who is an imagist, who later on in life turned to D.H. Lawrence and Freud, uh, unfortunately, I suppose. Wonderful poet, anyway. Um, you know her, right? Yeah. Um, Ezra Pound is in here as well. Ezra Pound was like a, the type A personality of the modernist poets. Um, so I... I um, yeah, here I call him the father and gateway to the East. One of the nice things he did do is translate a, a, um, a lot of great Chinese poetry, which hadn't been so nicely handled before that time. Um, there's a great story about her. I was telling my students, uh, Gertrude Stein was not a fan of Ezra Pound. She said, Ezra is the village explainer, which is fine if you're a village. She, she didn't like it. She didn't like it. Um, the other guy I mentioned is, w, is William Carlos Williams. Um, the idea here is that um, he always gets it right in his poetry. He always gets it right. So in the afterlife, of course, there are, are issues there. Um, the last thing is um, I mentioned Cahoolin, um, Comforted. That's a poem that Yeats wrote very late um, in, in Dante Tercerima form. Um, and I think it's a poem about repentance. I really think it is. And... Um, so I imagined him, I mean, he ends up uh, among the cowards, Cahoolin, who is this brave kind of Irish warrior, and the people who have betrayed their family or been did some kind of bad relationship with their family, which is interesting uh, uh, for Yeats in a way. Um, so in the poem, he has, to, um, he has to knit his own shroud, okay? Uh, all of them have to do together silently, and, uh, which is not warrior-like behavior. Um, but uh, I, I, I was imagining, you know, 
uh, you know, a couple hundred years after you've knitted the shroud, what will you do there? <coughs> and I was imagining Yates doing a mummy dance, you know, with the, um, the outfit on. Um, so that's here. Let me read it to you, if, yeah, if, if you will. Um, Yates, once a raven haystack, occasionally returns, not so flinty as he could be in life. He's up for most sport, doesn't seem to mind that he's not very good at volleyball or field hockey, or that it's tough to move in that suit, cravat, nez thing he wore. Um, he's happy, and being, being tall helps in all kinds of ways. Don't know for sure if he's onto the bigger road yet, uh, but I hope so. Mistakes are just mistakes, after all, each gone soon enough like the bad in everyone's life. I hope to meet him, uh, though he'll probably have moved on by then. Maybe HD is with him, pound as well, <coughs> excuse me, who could certainly captain any team, uh, father and gateway to the east. That had to count for something. HD has to work off the Freud. Uh, W.C. Williams, his sure pace, at the well, it seems, always at the well. But I like to think that Cahoolan has been comforted, his shroud completed all these years after the mummy dance. Most everyone you want to, I suspect, you'll get to see over there, if you get over the humps yourself, that is. I like to think of W.B. lying down in a meadow his language helped create. A nice blue moss interspersed, all the trees you want. Other folk, fans as well, real and otherwise, the high ease will offer just the right amount of resistance as you recline recumbent liquids, consonants making no end to that repose. Birds would lace the edges, and you, you'd probably be able to hear the the sound of distant laughter. Maybe his chords, notes are like the future, calling him, us. Maybe it was always like that. Nothing can take what he's given, nor the care with which he gave it. And his friends, family, politicos, uh, they're all laughs, arms about the shoulder now. The good is the good after all, and that was what brought him them to him in the first place. His life a life like yours, mine, but not at all like either. A worthwhile stop, short or long, on the road to more. Yeah, um, okay. I had a dream about him once, and uh, uh, my spiritual director said it was fine. I, um, so I prayed for him for a couple years in, in adoration. Um, okay, this one is, is called... Uh, it's a, uh, my brother, Pat's face tints. Um, interesting guy. Uh, family is weird, okay? You know, I mean, it's just wonderfully strange. Um, uh, he has a healthy ego. He also has this weird reel-to-reel uh, -reel, uh, tape recorder. And on it, he has some really old 50 songs that would be, embarrass anyone else. They wouldn't have them on, but he does, and he, he likes them. Um, one of them that's mentioned is Last Kiss by J. Frank Wilson. I don't know if you remember that, but the chorus is, uh, where, oh, where can my baby be? The Lord took her away from me. She's gone to heaven, so I got to be good. 
so I can see my baby when I leave. Yeah, yeah this world, yeah. Bum, 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 yeah, okay. Uh, but, you know, it's the kind of song that nobody would actually admit to listening to. Um, but he does, he and his wife sit and listen to this stuff all the time. It's just wonderful. Um, so, um, also there's some here, he's, uh, he's smoked forever, so he's, um, he had a good operations, and his, his, says his face is a little gray, but uh, he's okay. Anyway, let me read it to you. Uh, Pat's face tints a cigarette gray, but that doesn't seem to slow him down. He's tended his machine shop for 40 years, providing, arrives at every family get-together without flags or roses. Nothing except him is ever about that. I don't know how he does it. I want to be like him, but it's too late. I have a different job and a family that wouldn't fit into his house. Uh, they would require different curtains, confections, their own puppy. So while it's true, uh, we all usually do the best we can. His is clearly better than mine. It's not, he's not the only one like that, of course. Uh, and I, I should say here, I wanted to say that there's, this is only a little bit ironic. Uh, there are far too many of those good types around this Catholic university. So many holy people, you can't count them. Sandals I can't lose. Thankfully, they don't ask or wear them, except in the summer. Like that Orthodox Jew Linda and I met walking through downtown Pittsburgh one summer eve. He thought I was of his tribe, was collecting funds for something holy. I had no money, but wanted to bend down and kiss his feet didn't. Some whimpery lasts forever. Pat would understand that. He's been in the Navy. He has this reel-to-reel -reel with all the golden oldies on it, Last Kiss by J. Frank Wilson, Tammy's in Love. Somebody like that would never lie to you. And he doesn't. He's good. Um, all right, good. Thank you. Yeah. Um, this next one's about my other brother who's... Uh, He's a year younger than me. He, uh, he's probably more like me than the older ones. But anyway, um, I, I'm going to go over his house one time, and he has like these scars all over his arm. And I'm like, what happened? Well, this is a true story. Um, there was a, a, a crazed Rottweiler that was dragging an old lady across his front lawn by her heel. So he had to jump out and fight the Rottweiler. <laughs> this is typical of my brother. He says, I don't know, most of us don't run into these situations. Um, he's also, he's been a pothead for 50 years. That's a half century, you know? Um, and and he's, uh, he's the most Franciscan guy I know. I mean, he's just as generous as can be and, and not puffed up in, in any way. Uh, extraordinary fellow. Um, yeah, um, and he lives in a bad, his neighborhood is so bad People try to get him to move and he won't. Upstairs in his bedroom, he has four cameras, four screens for, for different cameras to see who's like maybe stealing things from him. <laughs> so that's probably a good sign you should move, you know? But, you know, he doesn't. Um, well, he's a wonderful guy. Um, all right. Uh, yeah. Um, trying to read my writing. What else do I have here? Uh, uh, the, Cleveland, the Browns are the Cleveland Browns. Um, yeah. Um, Larry fights a Rottweiler. It was something he had to do. The thing was dragging an old woman across the, his lawn by her ankle. That would have been hard for anyone to ignore. <laughs> <laughs> He's got scars now. 
war wounds, but seems happy enough if you don't count the personal issues. His wife left him, but comes over periodically to clean. <laughs> I had free tickets, took him once to a Browns game, all these people on the rapid transit with their faces painted orange, barking like dogs. Maybe it's something about the town. We cannot win but our legion. Though I'm thinking, too, that what owns us might go deeper better. In the end, I don't think we believe in winning. I mean, whose life is like that? At any rate, the two of us were right there with the rest of them, a deficit, all we would never become, barking after leaves, touchdowns. We've never really known each other, he and I, though we are each equally amused at his brother. I speak outrageous, out of touch with the west side, wrenches, car frames, his blunt assessment of anything near at hand. For his part, he fishes around for things to say, kids, beer, and food. The rest is sports teams. I still like him, though. One of the only strangers I'll ever know. Brother to my past. Blood. Brother who does what he does because he has no home. Thanks. Yeah. He's fun. He's fun. Um, yeah. Uh, this one is about my grandma, um, Grandma McElwee, Irish Jansenist, you know? Um, wonderful woman, uh, great heart. Um, but yeah, um, there's an edge of that, this kind of uh, uh, dark Catholicism, judgmental. It, it, you know, it reminds me of once I went through The Portrait of the Artist as a Young Man by James Joyce, which is a short novel, and every reference to Jesus or God in that book is about justice, not one is about mercy, which kind of tells you what Jansenism is, you know. Um, so anyway, that, that's the, 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 the house my father kind of came out of. Um, and I remember her when I was very little, and, and so, um, yeah, this is about mercy. I also remember, and it's in the poem, that um, I was a, you know, troubled kid. Um, I remember uh, when I was really little, it says seven here, and I think I was about that old. Um, there was a, 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 a picture of St. Therese, and I asked her to pray for her to, for me, and she said she would. And St. Therese has been really important for my wife and I, and, and uh, uh, you know, I think she did, and I think Therese responded, um, which was what saints do, right? So anyway, this is called uh, Grandma McElwee's Irish House. Grandma McElwee's Irish house felt like a 50s Catholic church. Cool, dark, reverent, large painted statues, wavering votive candles, a sliding confessional screen. And doilies. They made her polished end tables, old lamps seem other, like something out of Joyce. She loved us in earnest, quietly like the swish of young cassocks in a nave. Yellow mints in small bowls graced her table, a fine, smooth, ironed white cloth beneath. Outside, a transistor radio pressed to my ear on her front steps. I caught Baltimore baseball, a game from another city. It shocked me, the want in those announcing voices, the crowd in the stands as well, each needing Oriole success as much as I needed that for my own team. How many people there must be out there in the world, 
What place could I have, make for myself? Surely there were doctors there, a ton of scientists. Even if I learned enough, there was the question of perseverance. At seven, what had I ever seen through? What could I always so far from any goal achieve? It was like walking into a library for the first time, seeing all those books. I would never finish them. I would never finish them. As, as I went back inside, small boy, grandma always in memory in black dress, I asked her to pray for me to the woman framed in palm fronds, St. Therese. I could see her fret. She said she would. But the thing is, I don't think it's different for anybody. We are all ill-equipped, not ready for anything, not ready to be heroes. We are still on a porch or in a dark room, a quiet radio or a family of voices pressed like mercy, yes, into our ears. So all that's a mercy. It's all a mercy. Um, it's God letting you know who you are, right? Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, all right. This is... Um, this one is called, this is a, a kind of a fun poem. It's called My 12 Customer Paper Route. When I was little, my parents, they didn't know quite what to do with me. Um, uh, so they got me a job. I had a paper route with 12 customers. <laughs> so it wouldn't be too much for me. I mean, my brother, a year older than me, had 115 customers. You know? <laughs> but they knew what they were dealing with. You do this, and then we'll talk about it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, yeah. Um, but what I like about this poem, and, and writing these kind of poems, is you never know where they're going to end. And this just really, the ending really surprised me, and I really liked it. Um, all right, there are a couple things I should tell you. Um, most of us know where, everyone knows where, where they're at when 9-11 happened, right? Everybody knows where they were. Yeah, for those of us much older, we, don't, we know where we were when Kennedy died, when Kennedy was shot. I also uh, knew where I was when Robert Frost died. Which is very strange, and I, I just think it was—it was. I like. I hopefully <laughs> um, that we hope that's God's doing. Um, but it seems it struck me as significant for some reason. I was in fifth grade. I was on a paper route early in the morning. I didn't even know what poetry was, but it seemed like it was important to me. Um, so I think that's just. I'm hoping it was just Jesus saying, you know. Um, also, there's a reference here to Skeeter Davis, another one of those really corny songs. <laughs> Don't they know it's the end of the world? It ended when you said goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> I could say it. <laughs> Go ahead. Very nice. I can sing the other two. <laughs> Wait, are you filming this? My brother, who was about four years older than me, was really curious about why do you listen to these songs? You're not, you know, I was, I wasn't, it wasn't even pubescent yet, you know. Why doesn't love songs? It was the angst, you know. <laughs> you need, you got to find the angst somewhere, you know. You don't have to know what it means. Um, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Transistor radios were really big back then, and they were made in Japan, which at the time meant they were complete junk. Anything made in Japan was junk, right? That's changed since then, but. Uh, yeah, little references to Elliot and Kerouac, but not so, so important. Um, my 12 customer paper route. Notwithstanding, order never did descend. 
uh, though one winter morning in Kent, Ohio, as I walked, transistor in my ear, made in Japan, I was struck by news. Robert Frost had died. In fifth grade then, I don't remember if I even knew what poetry was, only that this mattered more than Skeeter Davis. And then later, in eighth grade, high in our dormers, reading a line from Browning, something about a shroud of snow, I stayed with it, even as winter covered us outside again. I thought I might be a poet then, but no one could make a living at that. Loneliness stamps us from the beginning. When someone says, I feel lonely, part of me wants to laugh. Though that's how the other world knocks, where it comes alive in, all the saints playing cards, butts hanging out of their mouths, waiting for you to clock in or take a walk in the country. Jesus, like some long-forgotten uncle, nodding. Mary, who thinks the world of your company. Dude, they say in a younger voice, go back over there, take Tuesday. So I bend to it again, on my chair, ride it out, early in the morning, typing away like Billy Collins under a little porcelain take of a pope, a new saint, John XXIII, who was a chain smoker and so the patron saint of all of us. We're nervous. We worry about stuff. You know? I liked it. Anyway. Um, okay. Um, this one is called Being a Winner. Uh, it's kind of like making fun of Joel Osteen, people like that, you know, uh, who sell him some Jesus and make some money, you know, on, on, in the TV. Um, it's also in Flannery O'Connor, one of her characters, uh, the mother says, he could, he, could, he could sell Jesus, he can do it, um, which is kind of missing the point, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so anyway, being a winner. I think I want to be a winner today. Though that TV sell me some Jesus stuff is out. I want to be a winner running through my grass, not with bare feet, because we're deep in the fall now. Maybe I'll be a winner on my recliner. My recliner. No one else is here except you, uh, but what does that matter? Winning, after all, is a state of mind, a plaque we can place inside somewhere, an announcement we can make to encourage others ourselves when the time is right to fill a Shakespearean breach. Or maybe being a winner is sitting in the bullseye of God, his will. Maybe it's the long walk home, a walk so protracted that it makes you a loser, too. Losing is so much sweeter when it's done by a winner, <laughs> by one of the ones taking the long walk home. Yeah, OK. This one is called uh, Sunday Morning Settled In. I remember writing this one, and it seemed like the poem was going to be about Sunday. And I'm like, that sounds boring. But um, at, and actually, I, nice things happened with this, um, especially when I discovered that Sundays can come more than once a week. I didn't know that. But um, let me read it to you. Um, so I, 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 what I would do is get up about 4 o'clock in the morning or a little earlier, and I'd sit in the dark in, in the living room and, and wait for poems to come. Um, I, I like this one. Sunday mornings settle in early. Rise slowly with the sun over frosted grass. You can hear the heater as it hums. Nothing is allowed to happen on Sundays. You must learn to wait. 
Sundays are like a great port near New Orleans without a ship in sight. It's like a feast without food. You sit down to table someone else's, though you don't know what to expect or if anything will be served. Fewer cars run on Sunday. You can see that out your front window. Most just won't turn over. Some people try to shop on Sundays, but that doesn't work either. Cash registers don't open. Salespeople disappear almost as soon as you turn your head. And don't ask about football. Nobody plays on Sunday. You can't find a game anywhere, in backyards or at the cold beach. Every aunt, living or dead, comes to visit on Sunday, each in her best. Time itself does not exist on Sundays. The illusion simply subsides, evaporates. You can play an instrument on Sunday, but not loudly in Germany, and the music must be ethereal, a pace. Friends can visit as every bit of laughter is absorbed on Sunday into the walls, into a pale marble blue sky. It's a good thing Sunday only comes once or twice a week. It's a good thing that somebody else is responsible for reconstructing time after it subsides. We might walk out of our sh right out of our shoes were it otherwise. There would be no heaven, no earth. There would be no bustle. We would simply cease to exist as we know it. I'm not, sh I'm not sure if that would be a good thing or not, but such are the limitations of time. Yeah. One of the reasons why I like that one is because it seems to me it catches uh, um, the infinite and that Sunday is in some way uh, a place where we meet that. Um, so it's surprising, but I liked it. Um, here's another one with a fun ending. I think you'll like this one. Uh, I hope. Um, the first line I got from James Bond, you know, I, I don't know. Um, uh, but the last ending is nicely surprising. A line shaken, stirred, by what little, by what slight wind, little bird, by what green, Summer is long gone, the trees are bare, gray, give back nature's surprise. Our lives are like that, best when bare under snow. And the fields, what of them in this stiffer wind, this more demanding sun? Though maybe not of you. Mary is the kindest, that is why she's so blessed. Francis too, Therese, Faustina, all of them. Who else has been so good to you through your ups and downs? Who else has walked with you these miles in robe and sandal? Who else understands the seasons, the reasons why we must change? We cannot repay them, these elven folk, these citizens of the far place. But that is not why they come. I like that. Um, yeah. All right, um, what do I got here? Uh, all right, um, yeah, um, this is about confession. Uh, it's always good. Um, uh, dad is God in the poem. Um, 
the Mets in 1969, the amazing Mets is, uh, are alluded to, um, they lost 100 games the year before and they finally broke through and became champions. And, and so that's here. Um, I think maybe that's enough. Um, life goes on after I sin, which is a blessing to me. No one stops, gets off the bus, and no one lobbies for my removal. It's kind of reassuring. It's like Jesus is saying, there are lots of stupid people here. You fit right in. Don't worry. After all, you never really know about them, these others, do you? Though, of course, we would not wish that on almost anyone. There, I'm doing it again. I close my eyes, wait. Again, nothing. Destruction averted. It hasn't snowed yet, at least not here. And my three-card solitary game is still intact. Car still runs. I still have a job and a family that are none the wiser, nor have they ever been. Damn. Darn. Three, four strikes as I unclench. Um, I like the keeper of the keys here as I ask for forgiveness again. It's like being a kid at Christmas. Who knows which of these packages are for you? This one's Monday, this is Tuesday. This one is a student who, though nice, doesn't like to be criticized. <laughs> and so I dance inside. You cannot reach me because I cannot defeat myself. I have a dad, big and strong. He has planted his flag next to me and will not be moved, no matter how hard I try, and I don't want him to. I feel like a garden newly planted. I feel like a Met in 1969. I can sing la la all I want because the soil is good here because I like the fence. Yeah. Um, I read that better in the past. That didn't sound as good, but I'm not going to read it again. I won't do that to you. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, the post, uh, this is the, the post-confessional rise. This is kind of a fun one because most of these poems, they, um, they end with hopefully some kind of realization that one wasn't clear at the beginning about what it means to, to try and follow Christ. Um, but this one doesn't. It, it ends in kind of, it celebrates um, teenage indiscretion. What it does, and, but I like that because to me it's like it it meant it shows how much the time meant to us, you know. Uh, we had to find answers. People have to find answers, so they do stupid stuff. Um, and and the people I remembered from those times, uh, they're not Christian, um, but I'm uh, certainly deeply grateful for having spent time. The post-confessional rise. New chances are good. Even the outside of the mall looks great this evening, under a late sunset orange clouds. Or maybe stars are overhead by now. The lights, the cars, Christmas down the line. Walmart looks like an oasis, a grade school friend. All of them gone. None will read this. Most came to girls quicker, left by college, my first leg of it anyway. It always struck me as odd how when I'd meet them later, they'd always seem to expect the same guy, as if human experience stopped at 15. You had to wonder, had it been so for them? Still, I missed the old baseball mitts, those players, those days. We were as alike as the era would allow. 
Beatles and Rolling Stone kids, never quite out of school, fast to the new, slow to anything that mattered. Brothers, I salute you. Most Appalachian transplants, as I was, though I hadn't learned that yet. If I could see them again, I would. Danny Keeney, David Dorton, my baseball buds, fastballs in a world built for better players, bigger diamonds. We all run our course, and if we're lucky, we meet all kinds of people along the way, some worth their weight in memory for their sustained lack of discretion because it made the time worth our lives. Ha, okay. Um, all right, this one is, is for my wife, for Linda. It's called Birthday Poem. Um, I have no idea what Bernays sauce is, but it, it seemed like it belonged, so I put it in here. Uh, yeah, <laughs> at, at the end, there's a, a quote um, from East Coker by uh, T.S. Eliot about, and it, the quote is, um, signifying matrimony which betokeneth concord. It's taken from the 1500s. I'm not sure it's from uh, Andrews or one of Eliot's uh, ancestors. Um, but birthday poem. She has given the years, poured them out on the ground right in front of me, like some fine oyster hollandaise, bearnaise, cabbage soup. <laughs> Always other, her side is gadgets, electrical switches, and comfort. After the depression style, they value what they can see. I can count the ways we are thankfully not one. Some of them grow. Who would want duplicates running around echoing your every presentment? Her wounds keep us real, as deep as the rivers beneath rivers. Some of them, we will thankfully say, were never quite healed. That is how you know you are home. Having spent a long time here, the two of us know that there is no good that does not have a name, that does not come out of this ground. There is no good that does not wear a watch. Unpolished, she is all wit, metaphysical wiggle, piano lessons, Odd lunches, kale and egg, vegetable hair, blueberries and walnuts. Even if we have too much furniture. She is entirely herself. Cannot be moved even when she is. It is the oldest dance. We lift a foot, signifying matrimony which betokeneth, as every husband knows, concord. There she is, right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, this is a fun poem. This is a poem was nominated for a Pushcart Prize, which is odd because um, I thought, you know, if I win these things, I'll have to like reevaluate what I think about prizes, you know, because uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but but it it's a nice poem. It's about my uh, my eldest son who is uh, Asperger. Uh, um, Really smart, um, but they they just think differently. It's it's a whole different thing, whole different deal. Um, yeah. So there's there's a couple things here. The, the poem ends with mentioning that he he's walking in a fine stride, and that's some Aspie guys walk that way or a little stiff. So it 
it's, it's meant to open up the poem at the end into a horizon, him entering his own world in some wonderful way, but there's also the fact that he has this, too. You know, so it's a parent poem, and you suffer with your children, and those of you who aren't parents will know that in 10 years, right? Um, and there's nothing you can do about it. You know, what can you do? You, you can't do much. You can't do much. Um, yeah. Um, what else? Um, yeah, um, it occurred to me, uh, yeah, I really stole the second line uh, from my wife, uh, second last line. He, I call it my heart who walks away from me. Linda mentioned when, when the kids were little and they could move, the first thing that she noticed was they moved away from her. And talk about metaphor, you know? I mean, that's what being a parent is. And it's moving, it like, it like breaks your heart right away, you know? Just get used to it, it's good for you, it's good for you. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, uh, Basho was mentioned, who is a, a, a Japanese haiku poet. Um, yeah, um, okay. I found this old entry about my son in bed with an oversized piglet, arm draped over the thing, sweaty, sweaty head hidden strep. Apparently, I'd peered under the substantial pink ear to see his eyes wrapped in sickness. He did not plead, but was stuck. Good to see his dad. And I think of my own mother pacing at the foot of my bed, clearly realizing that there was nothing she could do, either for my illness or my plight. Years later, she'd say, I don't know if he has what it takes to make it in this world. Why get on the playground roundabout? It just keeps going around in circles. She knew I was too concerned with every wrong stuck on the first one. There was nothing she grieving could do as I tried to keep the thermometer in place. She certainly didn't trust my father's Jansenistic glee at my first communion, me all shiny and clean in my first suit, um, affirmed by heaven and earth, the tie, the straight fold of the hands. She disliked the Irish squeeze, probably wanted some light, success, a little Protestant money. She wanted, like the rest of us, a God with sunny beaches. My son is still sick, though, back there in the past. Nothing I can do for him either. I, hoped I, I hope I stroked his brow, kissed him, thanked him for being so brave. And now later, a grown man, an Aspie, in his, in his parents' basement, frustrated by his stuck, looking for a career to stamp him. If I could make paper cranes, I would. I'd put two on his basement table, one on either side of his computer. I'd fly a few around the ping-pong table for his amusement. I would read Chinese poetry aloud, the Rexroth translations, but that would not help. No, life is lonely. Ask Basho. That is why our mothers always tried to feed us too much. <laughs> he will mercifully move past this. We all do. And there will be a future for him, whether he comes upon it or it upon him. And there will be a woman somewhere as fine as his own mother. She will help offer her wounds to help him grow, just as he will offer his. I raise my glass 
Mr. Bringer of the New, my heart who walks away from me as he always has in a fine stride. Yeah. Yeah. These kids do this to you. <laughs> and we're thankful. It's wonderful. Um, all right. Um, a couple more if we, I can here. Um, this, too, is called When the Kids Were Born. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. One, one thing here. In 1970, at, in my, as a senior in high school, I thought I'd heard the last of Led Zeppelin. They were fine. I liked them. You know, you think you're done, but then your son is like 16 and he starts playing Led Zeppelin. You know? And it's in the car and you can't get out of this stuff. So it's like you just have to do it again. Although this is my son, David. And, and it's interesting, though, he's, his taste is way better than mine ever was in music. He soon graduated to European heavy metal, which is really kind of interesting stuff. Um, so some good came out of it. Um, but now I have two other kids and they play their stuff. It's like it's penance, you know, it's good for you. Thank you, thank you, Lord. Um, this, this first image I thought of years ago when Linda gave, was giving birth to, I think, our oldest son, or, or one of them anyway, in, in, uh, at um, the hospital here in Steubenville. They have these chairs that you sleep in next to the bed, right? And, and I really like the image. It's, uh, they felt like sleeping in an old bowling shoe. <laughs> Do you ever, you ever wear bowling shoes? It's like... 8,000 people had had them on before, and it's like, stop! <laughs> well, sleeping in a chair was just like that. I was like, ah. But anyway, it got better. That's kind of the point. When the kids were born, I slept in an old bowling shoe, a chair next to my wife's hospital bed. After that, things got better. Like now at the library, where Downs Jude is the only kid here for karaoke night, and so wins all the prizes. <laughs> Though those songs, dads know the price of parenthood, the car radio. Love for the young apparently is an extended shudder. Their declarations worth what exactly? Linda has a better take, says it's youth, spring, the generosity of Christ. Flowers so full of themselves that they flush at their own color. We haven't seen our kids' mates as far as we know. One of my students in Austria, standing hopefully next to David in the wee hours Polish bus stop, slightly nerdy, gifted, but a prettier, more talkative young woman took up the time. Uh, yeah, I had this note that parents don't snoop, they notice. But anyway, <laughs> okay. They say age has its recompense, but I don't know that I've seen it. What is more foolish than an old person, still clinging to the wrong things? Tented under faded wallpaper that won't adhere, though that is a mercy too. It helps kids with air, provides a human backdrop. We know something about life after all, about bad choices, and we don't mind listening. Ha, okay. Um, yeah, uh, death poem. It's like from Robert Frost. Straight out death poem, that's what it is. Actually, he's mentioned in this, uh, uh, there's an allusion to his poem, Out, Out. If you ever read it, it's a, it's a great poem. It's about a, a, a young teenager who accidentally cuts most of his hand off um, chopping, or sawing wood, or, or cutting wood with a, a, a gas uh, uh, saw, and he dies at the end. 
and it's it's like, but mostly it's kind of Frost being Frost at the end, who's you know, said this is life, rub dirt in it, which is kind of Frost. Um, but that that that's mentioned here, this uh, the Frost poem. But anyway, it's about death, and um, okay. Uh, there is a hollow in winter, a bear in a tree, not to mention wolves padding through forests to the north of us, arranging, deepening night. But this is southern Ontario, and I am grumbling my way across the Madonna House compound, its sparkling white shoulders paths toward a lit dining room. Part of me doesn't want to go in would rather walk my way into the wilderness. Some young lady, you see, hasn't adequately returned my hello. It was crushing when you were young. You know? <laughs> These days, I try to remember that feelings are friends. Uh, though I'd like to know who decided that. Uh, it's like the sports commentator say when they say, it's all good. Uh, tell that to Robert Frost when he cuts off most of your hand, leaves you waving it there like a bloody flag as you try to turn the page, keep it clean. No, it's not all good. I mean, who looks forward to death? Not the finished product, you on the slab. No, that's the easy part. I'm talking about the winnowing. When your aperture begins to narrow, when you start to panic, losing all you know of yourself. Yes, line us up. Of course, it's times like this that the Bible, as most good answers, wait with an otherworldly calm patience, not obtrusively, but opened on a table in smooth pages like a dear friend, some red ink or gilded edges to draw you in. If it were a kid's book movie, it would do that literally. You could live for a while among floating words, letters. If interactive, you could change characters, endings. You could paint with the brush of your choice, be edified every step of the way. But this is not a kid's story. And so you must wait in the wait, if you know what I mean, like everyone else in line, some smoking, some looking off in the distance. Offer a mint. A timely quip. What else can you do? What else can you do? Okay. Uh, all right. This uh, this is fun. I, um, terrorists. You got to write about terrorists sometime, don't you? I mean, the terrorists should appear somewhere, and this goes with the local librarians, which is perfect. Actually, our local librarians are wonderful up at Chapa. Uh, lo the local librarians are generous. Know us all by our names. All our holes sit shelved together in the back. The sky outside is clear and dark. It's cold for the first time this year. I do not know what's coming. I'm not even sure what's here beyond the lights, the lined blacktop Lowe's hardware store down the hill. They say angels will descend, that the veil between this world and the next will be torn, that nobody will be the same. That would be a good thing, surely. Arabs and Jews, lions and lambs, terrorists and everybody. What would they look like, I wonder? Would they throw down their guns, heads, with an ah, shucks? <laughs> or would they forget even that? Maybe they'd get so caught up in the sky, the angels, the son of man, that earlier versions of them would just dissolve into the night air. Of course, there's always the matter of accountability, but who of us can hope to stand? 
No, I think we'll take our neighbors as they come, happy just to still be taking air. I like it. I like it. Okay. Um, this is a fun one. Um, I, I was driving county roads, which I often do with Jude. Usually, used to do it on our scooter, but uh, this is around Christmas, so I'm in the car. We're taking a random ride out in the country, and I noticed uh, all the all the trees, of course, no leaves, and um, it struck me. I mean, this this is not terribly profound, <laughs> how each one is was is so different than the other, so different than the other, um, and. That struck me as, as crucial. I mean, um, when God creates, it's not like the Ford Motor Company when all the cars look alike. You know, they all, they're all different. So anyway, I started writing this poem about these trees, and before I finished, I discovered it was a poem about Africa. So come on for the ride. I'll show you how we got there. Uh, Christmas on a county road. Each spindly gray tree reaches in a twisted cursive, scratching its unique space in air. What scale is this? Nothing living belongs to the Ford Motor Ford Company anymore. Ever did. Every branch is like a new kid at school, adapting, turning through his knotted way into something altogether new. It's like my hand moving fingers, a choreography in tiny feathers or a very old movie about the Congo. And so this poem, as it turns out, has been about Africa, Jesuit to the world. Who is like her? Who has suffered as she has? Up the hill, years after Europe has gone to bed, she has borne the beating, calloused, chalk-white heart of slave runners, mock religion. A young black woman, Africa gathers herself, sits on a savanna, smoking a clay pipe, meditations rising like her children's dreams, some saints, some tin-pot emperors. So it's the cordiality of the moment that matters to her amid the banging metal knock lockers downtown at the gym. A new single mom, she feels it, how everything just seems to work against her on some days. Abedemi won't do his homework. Azubwiki wipes out a village. She would cry out for help, but what other continent would hear? I like that, because Africa's gotten shafted. Um, OK, thanks. OK, uh, just I want to do a couple more. Let me see. Uh. Okay. Uh, yeah, this is this is Saint Ignatius. This is uh, where Ron went to school and I went to school. It's a Jesuit school up in Cleveland. Um, a couple things. Uh, I mentioned Larry's beater. Now, someone told me that people not, might not know what that means. It's it's a real old, crappy car that works sometimes. Um, um, so this is about that. Um, it's interesting, though, uh, what I like about it is, well, we got Shelley and Augustine and the Beatles here in the day of the life. How many holes are in the Albert Halls in the poem? Um, but, um, yeah, uh, wait, I'm going to get the right one here. Uh, oh, okay, that, that's next. Okay, tattered robe is what I want to get to. I get to this image of a tattered robe, and um, it's the one we all wear. And it's, it's a nice image because it works if, if you look at it as in humility or without humility. And either way, it works 
works quite nicely in the poem, so maybe you can listen for that. Um, okay. Giving Bridget a ride to school. Alinda was trying to remember if her mother had ever thought of doing that. Uh, so my brother came to mine, my preppy Jesuit school, Larry's beater brakes giving out right there on 30th. He had to ram the edge of the curb repeatedly, work to ease us in. Tim, on the other hand, used wooden blocks to prop up his 59 Chevy suspension. Coolest car of the day until we had a pothole. <laughs> then we'd have to jack the thing up again. To the rich kids' credit, they were okay most days. Uh, you were who you were, and they had the sense to give you room. The Jesuits did a nice job, too, all things considered. No shootings, hazing, just prolonged academic panic. <laughs> At least for an ADH kid, before he could claim that name, which is my excuse in case any of them read this. Um, there were so many good teachers, Mr. Schmidt, Father Stryker, a lot of good faces I don't see anymore. Too close a look, though, reveals the sustained embarrassment my life has been. Cheating, behavioral irks, so much to repent of. And it didn't stop there. College and then more college, bad jobs, the occasional good. We'd all like to do better in life. Failure is the tattered robe we wear knowingly or not, arms lifted horizontally in a preen, small-time small kings, queens. It is what saves us. We are what we cannot fix. He may touch that at some point, make us new, but now is not the time for that. I like that one. I like that one. Um, okay, I just... <laughs> uh, I have just a couple more, uh, three more. This is a weird poem. My daughter one morning, uh, we we're talking about turtles, and, and we, the question came up, how do you know if a turtle's overweight? So she asked me to, go to Google turtles and see what I got. Um, and then it occurred, the joke in the poem is that what I got is myself. Um, this is the, uh, here's the answer as the title, quote, a turtle is considered obese if it is too chubby to withdraw into its shell, end quote. So in the poem, I mean, um, the writer becomes a turtle, and then I don't know what happens at the end, if he comes back a writer or not, but um, Google fat turtles, Bridget asks, before school, and I get myself. Here in my writing chair, I only meet the world when it intrudes, and why not? Turtles are who they are, after all, and what else would you expect of them? Which is why, incidentally, they grouse like they do shredding into lettuce, grumbling about sart, or the scratches on their clear plastic walls. He didn't ask to be born or born away like this, some pet's pet, the same rocky configuration each day, the exotic little waterfall. What do I get from the deal? Food, attention, some not enough. Uh, I get to sit here in my cage, harumphing, stretching at the neck, turning on the tiny TV remote with my stubby, web-footed hand, not an ottoman in sight. They do not think we can think here in Plato's cave, Promethean, after Shelley. They cannot appreciate the august turn of the prophetic head. My confessions, my cities will unnerve them. I will not roll over, I will not nose the ball. Oh, a slice of pear. 
<laughs> well, projects can wait, simmer. Dinner is a fitting time to muse, to count the ceiling holes above the Albert Hall. This is how the great work gets done. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not be quiet. <laughs> this, is, this is a funny, weird one. Uh, my wife and I, we have the same experience. Whenever we take a test uh, in our lives, people look at us like we have two heads, and they say, you know, you did really well on this test. <laughs> so what are you telling me? Right? Uh, yeah, um, strange. And, and it starts off with, this actually happened to me in the West Virginia Department of Motor Vehicles. I go up for some, some unrelated, um, uh, I don't know, work, some, I had to have done for licenses. And the guy says to me, he says, unemployed? <laughs> you know, and the sad part of the poem is, you know, I wish I, I, I were humble enough to, you know, not say, oh, excuse me, I'm a tenured professor, you know. Uh, you should, but yeah, yeah, it would, have been, it would have been better not to say anything, you know, than just accept it. But, you know, so that's kind of what the poem's about. Um, at the West Virginia Department of Motor Vehicles, counter guy asks, unemployed? Though the question has nothing to do with why I'm here. This happens when I take tests, too. A perplexed facilitator will say, you know, you did really well here. It's a blessing, one I wish I could live down to. Because who of us is anywhere close to being what he should? I think of Flannery O'Connor on crutches in Georgia, her fictional southern grandma, the one uh, who could have had a life had someone been there to shoot her every minute. We're just that thick. I'd like to be one of the meek to acquiesce, a St. Francis at every turn, so small that each remark flies over my head. I could recline there, hobbit-sized, and soon the stars and every fine night would come. There would be other little people as well, though I might not feel the need to examine their pots, their fine leather or beadwork beneath high breezes, the slight ache that shakes the moon, elven trees. You might not get the change you want at the store in this mode, but you won't care. What days will be like those, self-regard, shelved, and meshed in a history of cobwebs? Rodeo roundups every weekend, a whole parish of people who don't care about nothing except the garnish on your latest story. I like that. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, uh, I wanted to read this one. Let me see. Um, this is, yeah, um, I can find the right page. Uh, give me a second. I had it, but then I lost it. Uh, Yeah, um, this is interesting. I, I found it a curious fact that some of my best friends are very liberal people, and a lot of them aren't even Christian. Um, I think one of the things I like about them is they, they don't feel like they have any turf to protect. They don't measure you for how, what kind of Catholic you are or what kind of Christian you are, um, which is interesting to me. Um, and, and I have great 
times with them, but then inevitably it occurs to them, this guy is really a Catholic, and it freaks him out a little, you know? Then I don't see him for a year or so, and, and then we, we, we see him again, and then it's, it's fine again. Um, and this is about my friend Bill, who, um, who I was uh, briefly in the PhD program at Case Western Reserve with. Um, yeah. Um, interesting. Uh, anyway, the, let me read it to you. When I finally caught up with him, Bill was wearing one of those clear oxygen feeds. The thing disturbed looked alien, as if it were a parasite sprouting from his nose. Though he could still go on about the very verifiable origins of the universe, his favorite tavern, a seat for his cylinder. This is how life goes. You go through pretty much doing what you've always done until you can't do it anymore. It's heroic, because when it's all over, this is the life you've chosen that chose you. It fits like an old suit. Most people walk around more or less in God's will, there without reward, balloons. You become the latest book you've read, the labored daily walk to the mailbox, a wake of people behind you, most grateful to have had the opportunity. He is the flag he waves, doesn't know it, a private in an army of them. This is the life well lived, the apple that upsets the cart. Who knows how many bills playing it out sometimes on a quiet suburban street. Okay. And then the last one here. It's a, uh, um, and thanks for your patience. Thanks for your patience. Um, this is the title poem. Uh, my daughter hates the cover. I'm not crazy about it either, but um, it, it presents a problem. Mercy wears a red dress. What are you going to do with that? Is, um, but it occurred to me after that uh, where this title came from is when I first met Catherine Doherty in Madonna House. She was in this 80-year-old woman in this bright red dress, bright red dress, and which was fitting because for the Russians, and she was a, a Russian woman, um, the Holy Spirit is, is red. It's red. So... Um, had I known that, the cover would have been, but I didn't know until after. Um, anyway, I, I like this poem. This is called Mercy Wears a Red Dress. Um, she's not in it, incidentally. Um, but it's, it's about mercy again, and, um, and the idea that everything happens to us, anything that, everything that happens to us is a mercy. You know, if, it, if, if we learn something of our limitations, uh, it's, a, it's a great grace. It's a great grace. Um, mercy Wears a Red Dress. Sits as best she can around the campfire. She stutters, is never any trouble. Her name could be Ruth or Gladys. Mercy goes to Mass daily, does not ask which kind. The Eucharistic prayers are words made fresh to her. So once houseled, she settled as nearly as she can. She settles as nearly as she can in, next to migrants. More borders than she can count. No one knows where she lives. You could be out chopping wood, and there she'll be, smiling at you from among the trees for just a moment, hands fluttering like birds, and then they're up from several lakes. Mercy has dark eyes, braided hair. Could be Ottawa. Daniel Boone was her friend. Mercy weeps in the Soviet Union long after it's gone. She bears up under detente. Mercy 
could make maps, policy, but no one asks, in part because she sells cookies at the airport, sets up a card table next to orange rockers, finger symbols, those lovely Hare Krishna people. Mercy has many hands, fewer feet. She lives on Scoville Avenue in Cleveland. Her children play unattended by an opened fire hydrant, a squealing, happy black confusion in and out of barreling water. St. Faustina lived there in the 30s, Nazis banging on her Ohio door. She could have gotten up, responded, but Roosevelt, answerless, was on the radio. Either one would do. Mercy is the ear we hear with. It's all we know. Thank you. Faith and Reason Podcasts. New media for the new evangelization from Franciscan University of Steubenville. Find more at faithandreason.com.